let's assume that it's purposeful. Let's, mm. let's assume, let's just, let's just start there. Let's assume that you're here for a reason. Let's just assume that, you know, let's assume that, that everything that's happening in this moment is, is in service of you and is in service of your purpose and is in service of you um, realizing it and, and being it and embodying it. I think it's cool to come from this assumption I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives, On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to be diving deeper into this month's theme of women and purpose with you all. The concept of purpose is one that I think affects so many areas of our lives, as I was talking about on last week's episode when I was introducing this topic. And today, we're going to be having a conversation with an amazing woman named Lisa Dion. Lisa is a licensed professional counselor. She is a registered play therapist an international teacher, the creator of Synergetic Play Therapy, the founder and president of the Synergetic Play Therapy Institute, and she is also the host of Lessons from the Playroom, which is an amazing podcast. I personally, even though I'm not a play therapist, I love listening to this podcast because I'm a parent, and so many of the insights and wisdom and tools that Lisa offers on this podcast and that her guests talk about have an incredible way of illuminating the child's inner world and also our world as adults. So I recommend it to you if you are a play therapist or a parent or someone who just takes care of children. Lisa is the author of Aggression in Play Therapy, a neurobiological approach for integrating intensity, and she is the 2015 recipient of the Association for Play Therapy's Professional Education and Training Award of Excellence. And Lisa is somebody who I personally deeply respect and admire. She has inspired me so much in my life as a person, as a therapist, as a businesswoman, as a mother. And she is somebody who can go wide and vast, somebody who can go deep and soulful. She has an incredible sense of humor. And the personal journey that she has walked is profoundly inspiring. And she shares a lot about her journey with purpose in this episode. And I highly encourage you to listen from start to finish because every single section has tons of nuggets and gold things that you can apply right away into your own life if you're someone struggling with purpose or also someone who's just in a time of reevaluation and transition and 
someone who's asking the questions, how can my life feel more purposeful on a day-to-day basis? So we've got practical bits in here and then also a lot of deep reflection and transpersonal ideas and spiritual ideas that come through Lisa so beautifully and in ways that are so approachable and understandable regardless of where you are in your life. So it was a true honor and gift and pleasure to have this conversation. And I'm so excited to share it with you all. This is one that I know is going to infuse you with a lot of light, a lot of energy, a lot of inspiration, and also food for thought as you are sorting through the big questions in your own life. So whether you're out walking or exercising or doing the dishes or wherever you may be with this podcast, may it inspire you, may it accompany you into these places in your own life. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts. All right, take care and enjoy. Welcome, Lisa. I'm so incredibly happy to have you here this morning. I'm so grateful to be here and have this conversation with you and be a part of this podcast. Thank you, Emma. Yeah. Well, everyone got to hear about your kind of formal professional bio and background, but I wanted to just say that when I was thinking about February's theme of purpose, women and purpose, you were one of the first people that come to mind because you've just been such an incredible role model and support person for me in terms of my journey with my purpose. And you're someone I think of who's just the embodiment of purpose in many ways. So thanks for being here and sharing your wisdom with us. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So I actually would love to start in a very personal way, Lisa, just because that's what women are here for. They're here to hear very personal, real conversations. And, you know, if anybody were to look you up online or on social media, they could imagine that Lisa's this amazingly successful woman. She's super on fire, clear about her mission and purpose. Um, but they might not know the backstory of you and sometimes in your life when maybe you weren't as connected to your purpose. So I'm wondering if you can tell us some about your your journey and what it was like when you didn't feel as connected to yourself and your purpose. I just have to name that I love that this is where the conversation is starting because it's like, yeah, let's... Uh, let's get real about what it takes and let's get real about what the journey looks like because it's so much harder than it looks. And I think for us to be honest and real about that is just so key. So I just, I love that this is where we're starting. So where my mind goes is right back to shortly after my daughter was born. So my daughter turns 15 tomorrow, which my goodness, I'm a 15-year-old. But when she was about one, I was really struggling with some depression. And I really was struggling with low energy. And I went to the the doctor and they told me that I was having some adrenal fatigue issues. And and, you know, that was what was going on in my body. In my life, uh, my marriage was struggling. I I didn't feel like overall, I didn't feel inspired. I loved being a mom and 
It's like, and, right? And I felt something missing in me too. I think part of that was before I had my daughter, I was working. I had a private practice. I I was seeing clients. And so that part of me just got put on pause when I got pregnant and, and then that first year of life. And so saying all this, what was really true for me that first year was the who am I question was like so loud for me. And I was really confused about who I was. And, and, you know, was I a mom? Was I a working mom? My wife? Am I all of it? What does it mean? <laughs> like, where, where am I in all of that? You know, and, and it was a really confusing, confusing time for me. And, uh, and I definitely didn't feel very inspired in my, in my life. And then, I started to hear and study and learn about what makes people tick and what drives personal behavior. And I started to recognize through what I was learning that I was actually really incongruent, really incongruent. And I was expecting myself to be someone I wasn't in a lot of different areas of my life which ultimately I learned was part of the reason for the adrenal fatigue, because it takes a lot of energy trying to be someone that we're not. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel so much relief and like full body. Yes. Yeah. Tell us more about this incongruence. Yeah. So the reality was, is that deep inside of me, I wanted to be the working mom. And at the time, you know, and still am a play therapist. And so I had this, this message in my head that was like, no, wait a second. You've got to stay home until she's at least two years old because the first two years of her life are the most critical for her development. And so she needs you, your attention 100% of the time. And, and I'm, and I'm caught, right? I'm caught between what I know about psychology and human development and I'm a play therapist and I teach about attachment and all this kind of stuff. And this part of me that's like, I really want to work. <laughs> and, and so what do, and I want both. And how do I and how do I do both? It was a, and so I was confused. I wasn't being wasn't being congruent. I hadn't hadn't figured out that me being who I am was actually the most amazing thing for my daughter. I hadn't, I hadn't connected those those dots quite yet. And then relationally, I had a lot of shoulds about what I thought my marriage should look like and who I thought I should be in my marriage and who I thought that my husband should be. And, and there was just a lot of confusion and incongruence between what I knew in my heart to be true and how I was actually living my life. The truth there, I didn't actually want to be married anymore. That was, I mean, right? That's huge. That was part of the truth. I, yeah. I was really questioning if, if the marriage was really what I wanted and needed at that, at that point for myself. And so a lot, of, a lot of incongruence, a lot of questioning. So this is so powerful, Lisa, and I appreciate you just going straight for it because <laughs> for anybody who's listening, I think this is such a common thing we go through as women where we're wrestling with the shoulds or the ideas of what we think success or happiness or, you know, living our best life looks like, but then it's actually really different than the truth for us. And 
Where do you think the confusion was stemming from? Was it familial? Was it cultural, archetypal, some other source? What do you understand now about that? All of the above and and more. So the messages that I had in my head from just the mental health field, as I was sharing about like child development, also just culturally, like what a marriage is supposed to be or isn't supposed to be and and all of that. So I had that, you know, in my head, I had, had a lot of, um, here's, he was actually a really big one of feeling like if I was going to be me, that I was going to like disappoint a lot of people was really big because at the time I felt like, you know, I had some students, I had my clients and like, what would, what would people think of me? I even remember thinking about, so I grew up in, uh, well, part of my upbringing was in Houston, Texas. And, and I went on to, uh, to study at Texas A&M University for my, for my undergrad. And it's pretty conservative in its, in its thinking, which isn't good, bad, right, wrong. And it was conservative in its thinking. And here I am going, I want to be a working mom. I maybe want to get a divorce. I da 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 da. And all of a sudden it was like, wait a second, that goes against this whole part of it's not what my friends are doing. It's not what uh, you know, it's not what I'm supposed to do as a wife. And so I think that part of that culture for me too was also an influence and feeling like, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm going to disappoint the clients that I, that I did have that would learn, that I'm going to disappoint my friends. I'm going to disappoint people that I went to high school with. Like, why was I giving them authority? I don't know, but I was. Mm-hmm. You know, disappoint my parents, disappoint that I would be a disappointment in some way if I was really true to myself. I think that's a big one for, for us as women. Um, totally, totally. So as you started sorting through the incongruence and coming to know what you really wanted more. How did you start to shift things in your life? Like, how did you get more on purpose? Yeah, the first was just getting honest and real. And part of the journey for that was really looking at what my life was actually showing me was important versus what I thought was important. And I think that's a a big one for us to recognize it in our psychology, because we can say something's important to us, but our maybe our life doesn't actually demonstrate that it's important to us. So I'll give you an example. I was so, you know, like, no, you know, being a mom is like the number, the number one and, and working is so not number one, right? This was like, I can't, that can't be, that can't be true or they can't be equal or they can't be close. Right. And, uh, and I told myself, I'm going to do an experiment. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to sit on the floor and for two hours, I'm going to play with my daughter and I'm going to give her undivided attention for two hours and work's not even going to enter my mind, right? It's just, that's what it's going to be. And I think within eight minutes, maybe, Emma, I, in my head, I'm like, gosh, I wonder if I could build that. Or I wonder if I cut that email from that person. Or, and what I realized was that my life was demonstrating that it was important to me. Even when I told myself, don't focus on it, don't pay attention to it, it still really was. And, and so I had to just stop and go, what's, what's true? Like, Lisa, what is, what is true? 
And what was true is that both were important to me. One wasn't necessarily more important than the other. They were just both important to me. And I really wanted to do both. So that was the first was just getting honest and real about what my life was showing me, where my energy was naturally going and looking at my own resistance to it. The second part, which I think is really the biggest part for for us, is having to face the fears that are attached to making some of those decisions. I think that's probably honestly one of the biggest pieces because I think I think deep down we we you know we do know we know, um, but to make those action steps to then make a change in our lives or to ask for what we want or to whatever it may be. The fears are, you know, the fears are absolutely, absolutely huge. So then it was a journey on on facing, facing my fears. Mm -hmm. And it was little by little, by little, by little, by little. I want to say that what, what, uh, what happened for me wasn't something that happened overnight. Yes. Really important to say it was, it's been an ongoing journey of me knowing myself, appreciating and valuing myself for who I am and facing my fears along the way every time I uncover something new. (laughs) It's still true. (laughs) Totally. I'm so grateful for you calling that out because I think that is, you know, the little gremlin in our minds that when we see someone that we admire or we see someone who's going after things that maybe we aspire to that that they just came to it overnight or that it was easy and I love you naming how much internal work it took to really first love and value and respect yourself for who you actually are pay attention to the signs of who you actually are and then face the fears yeah yeah, it is. It has been a journey, and um, and it did not happen overnight. Not even close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, how did you go about dealing with the fears? Was it cognitive approaches, somatic approaches, both? Um, so, one of the most well, two really powerful approaches that I use in my life. One is the 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 honoring and being able to sit with the, we'll call it the activation in my own body and not run from it. So for me, facing a fear is really two parts. First is there's a felt sense when we get scared, right? We get scared. We want yeah. we want to run. We feel anxious. We feel you know all kinds of different um, things in our bodies, and and part of it was me learning I don't need to run from that. Like, it's actually okay for me to feel afraid. I don't have to just quickly bypass it. Like, it's actually, it's okay. And being afraid that there's actually some really valuable feedback in that because it tells me something that I've learned is that whenever I'm afraid of something, that's actually the direction for me to go. Mm -hmm. So, right, our, our biology says, run the other direction. But what I've learned is that whatever the fear is, it's like Lisa the faster you can walk in that direction, the faster you're going to grow. And I've, I've seen that. And I know that in my own life now with certainty that, that the fear is the way. It is the way. So I have to stop first and just not run from it. 
And, and so it may be a somatic approach. It might be being in a yoga class and really learning how to be with those feelings in my body. It may be taking a walk. It may be going on a run, but like a deeper relationship just with my body so that I can hold the activation when I get scared. Mm-hmm. That's just been, that's just been big in general in my life, just my own relationship with my emotions. And then the next one is the cognitive approach, which recognizing that the instinct is to run and the instinct is to turn away. That part of turning towards is really recognizing that the moment that the moment that my mind can see that my worst case scenario actually helps me, mm-hmm. it actually shifts the fear response in my system. So a really practical level, Emma. So if I have a fear about something, I will ask myself, What specifically am I afraid of? Okay, I'm really afraid right now that if I do this, so-and-so is not going to like me. I will lose that relationship. Okay, breathe into that. All right, let's keep playing this out. All right, so if that were to come true, let me go ahead and assume that that is going to come true. My worst case scenario, my nightmare is going to come true. How in the heck is that going to serve me is the next question. It's a big question. It's a bold question. It's a provocative question to ask. And it's an important question. So, all right. So if this person doesn't like me anymore, I lose this relationship, I get rejected. How does it serve me? How is it going to help me grow? How is it going to free me up? What won't I have to deal with anymore? Um, what what might it activate in me that I know is a part of my growth and I need to go there anyway? You know, and, and the more I find that I can answer that question, what happens is my mind goes, oh my goodness, my worst case scenario is actually potentially one of the best things that could happen to me because I see that there's an amazing gift in it for me. So once, once that happens, then, then the fear disappears because I recognize that I win either way. Oh, yes. Right? Like I win either way. It's, it's actually, um, Emma, one of the things in my training programs for my clinicians, we actually teach them this, this process, which I think is important to name that it's not my process. This is a process I learned from Dr. John Demartini. And I teach my therapist this and, and I teach them this because I have been asked, Lisa, you know, what are some of the keys to why you've been able to grow so quickly? And this is hands down one of them, um, really mastering the ability to integrate fear, um, has been a huge part of my growth. Huge. I, I absolutely love this, Lisa, because it's, starting to recognize that the things we fear most, it's it's not allowing them to control us anymore, but actually flipping the script and recognizing how we could welcome those things into our life in a different way. And it's, it's, it feels like it just completely rewires. Even as I'm listening to you, my brain, I'm like, oh yeah, I could go toward the thing that scares me instead of away. Yeah. Obviously, you know, not talking about violence or things like that, but, um, more in this like inner realm of shoulds and thought forms and relational things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I find Emma that when I, you know, if I have a fear and I don't want to face it, it just gets bigger. Mm -hmm. 
it just gets bigger and it gets louder in my world until finally I go, okay, okay, you've got my attention. Let's get to, let's get to work. It's just yeah. like this thing in me knows ultimately, and I believe this for all people. We just have this amazing, innate wisdom and drive in us that is just trying to call us forward towards actualizing who we ultimately feel we are we are here to be in the world. And so much of that, I feel like is, you know, uh, moving through the cobweb of the shoulds and moving through the cobweb of all the, the ingested belief systems and peeling apart layers and layers and layers and layers and layers until eventually it's like, oh, hi, here I, here I am. <laughs> yes. So Lisa, how, how would you talk about your purpose today? How would I talk about my purpose today? What is your purpose? So my purpose is actually like two parts. So when I think about myself and and me as a being on the planet, my there's a there's a first purpose which is just the one that's just for me, and that is to to evolve, like my own purpose to understand life as much as I can and to understand who I am and, um, and, and my capability and my capacity as much as possible. And I, that feels purposeful, actually, in some ways that almost feels like enough in some ways. Absolutely. And, and that feels really purposeful and meaningful for me as a, why would I wake up today? Well, because today I get to learn more about who I am. And I get to learn more today about how I relate to life and people and the world. And, and I get to grow and evolve. Like that's, that's one purpose that's really deeply meaningful for me. The second is, well, okay, Lisa, then what are you going to do with that knowledge? And then that for me is then the, the outer expression of the purpose. And so for me, really simply put, um, I feel like part of my purpose here is to help people discover the very thing that we're having a conversation about, helping people wake up to what feels most true for them and help people wake up to something that feels, yeah, deeply meaningful to them and to help them sort through the, the you know, the, like I said, I used the word cobweb, which actually feels quite, yes, the cobweb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cobweb. Um, so that feels like a, a very strong part of my purpose. I love both of these so much, Lisa. And I appreciate so many aspects of how you answered that question, but particularly because it's not, it's not just one word. It's not one thing like my purpose is to be a mother or my purpose is it's not roles. It's actually like these more deep and wide feeling senses as I listen to you. It's it's these aspects that can transcend and include so many parts of life, yeah. but there's that nugget in all of them. Exactly. So I, I want to highlight that for people who are listening and feeling disconnected or confused about their purpose, that you you're clearly rooted in something that's really, really vast, actually. I'll give you an example. So today, so my daughter... She's in high school and today's picture day and she's a freshman. And last week was the very first week of her being able to, to actually go to school in person. So it's like picture day right out the gate for her, you know, yeah. 
And she's totally in the who am I question. And part of how she's working with that and within herself is like trying on different styles of clothes and trying to figure out you know, who she is in that way and fixing her hair in different ways, just like trying on different personas, right? And um, so for picture day, it was, you know, she picked her outfit, she did her makeup, she did this whole thing. And, um, and it was about me not giving my opinion about what she should wear, what she should look like, how it should go down. And it was more about Avery. Um, how do you want to show up today? Like, how do you want to express yourself? And she had a moment of like, gosh, mom, my outfit that I'm wearing isn't quite like what everyone else is wearing. And and part of what she feels called to do, at least now, is um, be it, she loves fashion and she wants to do some fashion design. And she reminded her of like, Avery, but this, you know, this part of you, right? This part of you that's a fashion designer, that's a trendsetter, that's a, and she was like, right, that is something that's a part of me that's important. And so I am going to wear the thing that I love because that's part of that. And I'm not going to worry that it's not what everyone else is wearing. And so even that conversation felt like my purpose here. You know, when I think about conversations with my friends, my conversations with my friends are about, well, who are you and what feels meaningful and true for you? And how can I support you in that or with my clients or my students? Um, I mean, even, you know, I have, I have supervisors that train with me. So I train supervisors, you know, to be supervisors. And I, and I tell my supervisors, the greatest gift you can give to your supervisees is to help them discover who they are. So it, it really is like this, this purpose permeates. So it doesn't matter who the conversation is with. It doesn't matter the, the platform. It doesn't matter the expression. There is this thread underneath that's just about, is there something I can do in this moment that helps, helps me help you be you, you know, or helps, yeah, helps us both just show up a little bit more authentically and and how we feel like we want to be right now in this world. It's, It's so beautiful, Lisa, and it's so inspiring. And I know that feeling in my own life when I feel the connection to the deeper root and then I go about the day, whether it's making food or picking a tar up from preschool or, you know, whatever it might be, it's it's like the form in many ways doesn't matter if I have the deeper sense of purpose. Yeah. So what is the impact in your life, Lisa, when when you know that when you have that clarity and then you move through all these, you know, outer realms or, you know, conversations or relationships in your day, how do you go to bed feeling at night? when you're in that connection with your purpose? I sleep really well. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> there's, less, there's less brain noise. Yes. <laughs> um, it just, I, I go to bed with a, with a feeling of appreciating my life and appreciating just the opportunity to even have life. I mean, it, it goes deeper there of just like, wow, what a, what an experience to even just be alive and to, yes, there's a challenge in having to muddle through and navigate life and figure out who we are. And, you know, that's the tension and the struggle and the, the pain points and all of that. But, but just to even have the opportunity to be on the journey, I think is something that 
comes up for me in moments when I feel like I'm on purpose. I feel like I appreciate life, just the the, the fact that I even get to experience life um, comes through for me at a at a much at a much deeper level. Hmm. So moving, and isn't that in many ways the ultimate thing? You know, that gratitude, that grace is is such a blessing when it comes and. So I love you making that connection between being deeply rooted in purpose and then how that brings the appreciation of life itself. Yeah. You know, Emma, another thing that comes up for me as I'm reflecting on your question. So I, just to continue the story, I did end up getting a divorce mm-hmm. and, uh, and actually this will be the 10th year of my, of my divorce, um, which is like, wow, I've been divorced, um, 10 years now. And, um, and I do spend my time alone. So it's, it's myself and it's my daughter when she's not with her dad. And so, you know, there are some individuals that, and, and definitely I've had moments where it's like, gosh, is that lonely? Is that you're on your own? That kind of a thing. And, and what I find is that when I feel purposeful, feeling lonely is about the farthest experience from my reality. When I feel purposeful or when I'm going to bed at night in those moments when I feel connected to myself, I feel so connected. Mm. That, yeah, lonely is just so far from, you know, the moments when lonely creeps in because I've tracked it are when I don't feel like I'm doing something meaningful. That's actually when the lonely creeps in, when I'm disconnected from myself, when I'm not, when I'm having another moment of incongruence, because let's be honest about that. It's not like, oh, I was incongruent and now like I'm congruent all the time. No, I still go in and (laughs) I still go in and out of congruency and and incongruency. Hopefully I'm more congruent um, overall now on my, on my journey. Feels like it, but are there moments? Of course, are there uh, you know, am I still facing my fears? Yes. And that's where the lonely can creep in when I'm disconnected from my purpose and I'm disconnected from myself. So I think that's an important thing too, because I think sometimes as women, particularly if, um, if we're, we're grappling with those feelings of aloneness and, and aloneness can creep up, not just when we're physically alone, but we can also feel alone in partnership too. So just in general, when the feeling of alone Maybe we just take a look at how connected are we to ourselves and how connected are we to our purpose in those moments because there is a connection. I'm so glad you're bringing this forward. It's incredibly powerful and it's it's just reminding you what an antidote purpose and self-awareness, self-connection is to so many of the things that we wrestle with, whether it's depression, loneliness, anxiety, meaninglessness, existential despair, whatever it is, is that this is really a pathway to put a bomb on some of those more difficult and dark feelings that we can go through. And they're not going to go away, as you're saying, but it's definitely, uh, it feels like something to guide us, something to pull us forward in a different way. That's not just like, let's treat the anxiety or let's treat the depression, but hey, let's talk about what your life is for. Yeah, exactly. Let's assume that it's purposeful. Let's, mm. let's, let's assume. Let's just let's just start there. Let's assume 
that you're here for a reason. Just assume that. You know, let's assume that that everything that's happening in this moment is 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 in service of you and is in service of your purpose and is in service of you um, realizing it and and being it and embodying it. I think it's cool to come from this assumption. Yes. So Lisa, for women who are listening, because I'm sure there's all sorts of responses and feelings getting stirred. This is such an important conversation. But for those who are like, I don't know where to begin. I don't, I'm so far away from myself. I don't even know how to locate that deeper, deeper purposeful state. Where would you recommend they start? With a breath. (laughs) Starting with a breath and just an acknowledgement of whatever's true in this moment. Sometimes when I start thinking about what's my purpose, it's like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And it feels like so big and so far out there. And, and it's like, no, let's just start right here. Like right here, right now, in this moment. What's, what's the purpose in this moment? Maybe the purpose in this moment is just to take a breath. Maybe it's just connecting with ourselves. And, and I think that's where the journey is because the thing that is in the way of us really knowing is the brain noise. Are those messages that tell us how we should be, how we should look, how we should act, how we should, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so in order to sift through those, we have to come back to ourselves and begin to strengthen what do what do I need to say to myself right now? Mm-hmm. Forget whatever else is saying. So, like, what do I need to say? So that's where it starts. Start with a breath. Start with a breath. Start with maybe a couple breaths. Start with a day of um, permission to what's what's one thing today that you love to do. Start there. Um, start with just looking and observing what seems true in my life right now. You know, no, no action steps, just observing, being in the state of curiosity and observation. When I do this activity, oh my goodness, I get energy. When I do this activity, I feel drained. When I think about this, wow, I feel vitality in my system. When I think about doing this, I feel like I want to go back to bed and put the covers over my head and take a nap, <laughs> you know, um, and, and just begin to observe and to watch and to, and just to, um, yeah, just to, just to heighten awareness, I think is a beautiful place to begin. We might stay there for a little bit. And then as some clarity starts to come in, then there may be the place of, okay, do I want to do something about this? Do I want more of this? What would be in the way? And then we can start asking some some larger questions. But we we have to explore it as it is first. Mm. We, have to, we have to just be here first. Where are where are we? <laughs> yes, in this great cosmic landscape of earth and space and people. Like, where are we right now? Just locating ourselves is really what I'm hearing you say. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I love this, Lisa, because with my clients, I often talk about needing to become researchers, like deep in-depth researchers of our lives and, and almost starting to apply the scientific method to ourselves and to our life. Mm -hmm. And 
really starting to examine where is the energy? Where is the decay? Where is the life force? Where is the depression? Where are the things that are working? Where are the things that are not working? But like you're saying, if we don't take that time to observe and reflect, then any action we take is not going to probably be successful because it's coming from our head or messaging we've gotten. So this is a beautiful invitation. I hope people are really taking this in. One of the um, one of the clues when we have come in contact with something that feels purposeful or meaningful or feels like that's me, one of the clues is that there is a sense of vitality that shows up in the moment in our physiology. There is a sense of being able to take a bit of a fuller breath. There is a felt sense of the body waking up a little bit. There is a sense of the heart opening. Um, that's different. I think it's important. That's different than, oh my gosh, I feel like uh, all elated about it and all manic about it. That, that it's, that, it's, that's a different quality than what I'm describing. But even the most depressed person, when they start engaging in that thing, maybe, maybe they love to cook and they find that when they cook, they don't actually feel depressed, for example, in that moment when they're making that food that they love to make, or when they're thinking about making the food that they love to make. They find that there's something, something wakes up just a little bit, um, would be like an example, right? And so what we're, what we're actually experiencing in those moments is the feedback in our physiology as our physiology starts to align. And it's like our body goes, yes, 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 that right? That, right? Do more of that. We'll also find another clue when we're engaged in something that feels like, okay, that's in the direction of my purpose. We actually have access to higher centers of our brain. So we actually um, are able to think a little bit more logically. We're able to be a little bit more steady in, in how we respond versus how we Instead of just reacting, we find that in that uh, window when we're engaged and whatever it is, that um, emotionally we're a little bit more stable. Um, our, Our ability to hold is a little bit bigger. So I think it's important that we listen to our bodies because our bodies are actually giving us the clue. And I love that you said researcher because it is. It's up to us to do our own research in our own lives to go, okay, What's the specific feedback in my physiology that lets me know I'm on track, I'm on track, I'm on track, I'm on track? Because the more we then identify that, well, then there's the the secondary gift of that, which is then I now know when I'm not on track. Yes. I can now differentiate between the physiology of on track versus off track. And then what I love is that I can begin to reframe the off track to not being a negative thing, not being a bad thing, oh my gosh, um, to more of, it's just feedback, right? Look at the brilliance of my body, right? Look at the tension in my body. Look at the stress in my body. Look at the, oh my gosh, my immune system is crashing. My Look at these thoughts that I'm having. Wow, check me out. My brilliant feedback systems in my body are getting to work to help me go, Lisa, pause. Mm-hmm. 
pause, Lisa, right? You're trying to be someone that you're not. Something's off here. There's some incongruency. Something's going on. Like, just pause, which gives us that moment to then go, okay, where am I? So back, like back to the beginning, where am I? Let me take a breath. Let me connect with myself. Where am I getting lost? What's actually true for me? Okay, let me try again. And then life becomes this ongoing journey of I'm attempting to live purposely and life and my physiology and and everything around me is just going to keep giving me feedback to help me, to help me like know where to point my compass really ultimately. And and then we move from a a felt sense of, um, oh, I'm screwing up or perfect example. When I look at it from this lens, my depression and my adrenal fatigue, they weren't, that wasn't bad. It wasn't something bad. That wasn't something awful. I mean, it felt awful. It felt bad. It felt horrible. But in the grand scheme of things, that was my physiology and my body saying, I love you, Lisa. Like, I love you so much that I'm going to act out right now to wake you up, to get your attention, because you deserve to live a really inspiring, purposeful life. And if you're not going to do it on your own, well, we love you enough that we're going to get a little loud. Oh, I'm so lit up by this whole conversation. It's it's amazing. It's like really reframing these quote unquote negative feedbacks that come into our world and actually starting to partner with them, mm-hmm. trust them and use them to our own advantage of getting back on track. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it all comes, if we're not paying attention, if we don't know how to listen or observe or research or reflect, all that information just, it passes us by, it goes over our head. We can't even utilize it. Exactly, exactly. Which is why that's that's always, that's step one. Yeah. To learn to observe our lives. Because wow. we're, we're worth it. Hmm. Ladies, <laughs> men, we're worth it. Right? We're here for a reason. We're worth it. How have you come to know this so like so deeply as true, Lisa, that we are worth it, that you are worth it, that I'm worth it, that anybody listening to this is worth it? I I thank you for asking that because I can definitely say that during that time period, I did not feel like I was worth it. And so it's not like, oh, I have felt that way my whole life. Um, not, Not quite like that. It's because every time I have had the courage to move in the direction of what has felt uncomfortable, And I have had the courage to listen to what my truth is. I've been rewarded. And and I'm not saying rewarded like in a sense of someone handed me a check. It's not, you know, not that kind of a reward. Although there have been the financial benefits of getting more um, in tune and then building a business um, and all of that. But, um, But life rewards me. And I see this for all my clients. So it's not just my own life, but I see it with my clients, with my friends, I see it with my daughter. You know, I, I, like I, I observe, right? I observe this as a, as a pattern that happens universally with people that when people make the claim, I'm worth it, they get rewarded for that in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reward 
may be just a deeper appreciation within themselves for who they are, that may be the reward. The reward may be um, just being able to live a different aspect of life that feels meaningful for them. You know, the reward may be new people coming into their world as new helpers, new guys, new sisters, right? You know, come in to, to you know, to, to help uh, get to the next, the, the next uh, you know, phase of the journey. But I just, I just see it as a universal principle. And when people say I'm important, it's like the universe goes, why, yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Thank you for declaring that. Let me mirror that back to you. Yeah, it's, it makes me want to cry, honestly, because it's so, it's so impactful. And yet sometimes the hardest piece for us as women mm-hmm. is just to feel that core worthiness. And as you're talking, I just want to name that this is why I feel like women supporting women is one of the most critical like levers for helping women to get empowered psychologically and in business and economics and government and all the realms is because we have to see the mirroring. Yes. We have to see the other who who knows that they're worth it. Mm-hmm. And somehow that reflects back to us the the courage to say I'm worth it too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So thank you for taking that stand. Yeah, absolutely. You remind so my my very best friend, one of the things that we do in conversation when we're struggling, we often say to each other, Have you been through this before too? Or have you felt this way too? And I find that just hearing my she's my sister, or you know, hearing my sister say, Well, I haven't been through it quite like that, but I've been through it like this. And this is what it was like for me, or I have been through that. And here's what I learned. And that, that has actually, as you're, as you're saying this, I'm like, yeah, my sisterhood um, has actually been a huge part of what has helped me get from here to here to there. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I feel electric. And for me too, it's really, it's been mentors, role models, like you, friends, sisters, other people. Sometimes just reading someone's book who's willing to claim that or to tell their story. And somehow that, that inter exchange mm-hmm. lifts us up as women. We need it. We so we need it. We do. Yeah. Well, we have, we have so many stories out there about men getting empowered, right? Um, and, uh, and well, the journey of a, of the female is not the same journey as the male, as we yeah. know. And so, yeah, to be able to find role models that we can relate to, or we feel would, um, yeah, that can mirror us in a, in a, in a better mirror kind of a way, I think is, is really important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lisa, you mentioned talking about the business you've built, and I'm wondering if you're up for switching gears a little bit because you, I think you're an incredible role model in terms of you as a businesswoman. And I'm curious, you're someone who's chosen to build an on-purpose business. Can you talk to us about well, really anything you're inspired to talk to us about? The things that I, I'm curious about are like. Speaking to some women choose to do that. Other women are employees. Other women are working in the home and not getting paid. So talk to us about how purpose can look like 
getting paid for purpose and sometimes it doesn't. And then talk to us about your journey of starting to line those things up. Yeah. So, um, so just for context, that the business that I'm going to reference is the Synergetic Play Therapy um, Institute, um, which is an, an international business. Um, I am the creator of Synergetic Play Therapy, which is a, a model um, of counseling for, for children in the play therapy realm. And so the Institute, we're a training institute. So we train clinicians around the world and yeah, help clinicians discover who they are and help kids discover who they are. I mean, really, it's so interesting. It's like that's that's at the core of the mission, you know, of the of the business uh, as the business as well. So one thing um, that's really cool that a lot of people may not know about the business is that so um, the core group in my business, so my my leadership team, um, there are seven of us. And um, every person is a part-time mom. Love that. That, that (laughs) You're speaking my language. (laughs) So my business is run by part-time moms. (laughs) Um, We we have had children raised in the business where we've turned counseling rooms, you know, into the nursery where the, the... you know, child's taking their nap while mom's doing admin or whatever, uh, you know, kids in our team meetings, <laughs> in our team meetings, because it's an extension of me. It's the working mom. Oh my God. So, this is like, I'm, my heart is singing right now. So I didn't know that. Even though I know you, I did not know that. Yeah. So, so when I think about building a business that's congruent, my business is a reflection of me. It's the working, it's the working mom. And, and so, um, I have to take a deep breath here because as I'm saying that I'm feeling emotional, I'm I'm having a moment of gratitude for myself (laughs) of like, way to go, Lisa, you know? So I'm just noticing one of those kind of heart open moments for, wow, Lisa, you've been on a journey and, and you've created a, you've created a business that is a reflection of, um, you know, of what's, of what's most true. You have, Lisa, I just want to pause there with you and because I'm teary too. And I just like way to go. Yeah, thanks so much. You did it. Yeah. And I did it. I did it as a, uh, I did it as a single mom. So I started building my business after my divorce where I started from scratch. I, um, and scratch, like literal scratch, financially scratch, like just you know, started from, okay, time to, time to create something so that I can make sure that there's a roof over my daughter's head and there's food on the table. And I can, you know, I can support myself, you know, as I, as I grow older. And so it's been a journey and, and everything we've talked about facing the fears and getting congruent and all of that. Um, it's been, it's been a journey for sure. Um, as far as what I want to share around being on purpose, what I what I continue to discover is that the process is my business is the same process that we've been talking about, which is that um, with my business being a reflection of me, the areas in my business that aren't congruent get messy. I get feedback. My business gives me feedback. And I have learned to say, okay, that aspect of the business is there's some chaos happening or there's some challenges and all right, um, what's the lesson in there for me? 
And I have found every step of the way that when I have tried to build an aspect of my business from, uh, oh, that's what I should do. Oh, that'd be cool to add on that component. Or, oh yeah, we should start those kind of programs. If they don't ultimately connect with who I am, they never work out. Wow. In, in fact, they end up being the energy drains yes. in, in my business and the, and the, uh, the financial drains in my business. But when I go, all right, what do I love to do? What's the, what, why did I build this? Well, I love to teach. I love to teach. I love to train. Um, I love to help people wake up to the, you know, wake up to the truth of who they are. Okay, great. That's what I feel I'm here to do. So anything outside of that in the business, if I say, you know what? Let's start doing workshops for, um, that's just specifically for dads. Okay. Now that's a great adjunct to what my business, I mean, it seems like it would be in line, but that's not my mission, right? My mission isn't to support dads right now. My mission is to support therapists and clinicians and, um, and to support children. And so guarantee if I started to put my energy there, I'd get feedback and it wouldn't work out because things are trying to sink me back up to Lisa. What's your goal? What's your mission? What's your purpose of your business? And if you go off, you're going to get feedback systems. So totally similar to what we've been talking about, just on a larger scale in terms of an external creation or an external thing that I've manifested out in the world. Yes. Oh, so incredible. And how you, it's really like you relate to your business the way that you relate to yourself in many ways through that observation resonance, congruence, seeing when you're out of bounds, coming back in line with that purpose and recognizing that that's essential for the health of the business, even though the business is not a human being. It's another type of being. The business is me, right? It's a part of me. It's an extension of me. And so if I don't relate it in that same way, to me, I'm I'm missing an understanding of of also part of what what it is. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. And that piece, so your question about whether you like run a business or create a business or work for someone, to me, the lessons are still the same. Mm -hmm. So even if I work in a company and I don't own the company, I'm still getting feedback. So whatever my job is in the company, I'm going to get feedback related to that job or related to how much of that job is actually congruent with who I am, which aspects are, which aspects aren't. And so I can still look at that and use that as part of discovering purpose or being on purpose. So being on purpose doesn't mean you have to own a company. Being on purpose can also be you working for someone, but is what you're doing on purpose? Does it feel meaningful for you? And you'll get the same feedback as you would just as if you're running a company. Same systems. Amen. I just have to thank you for saying that, Lisa, because I work with so many women. And, you know, I think right now being an entrepreneur is kind of trendy. It's a little bit hot, like especially if you go on social media or things like that. And for some people, it's totally the path and it's amazing and it's an empowering vehicle through which to feel purposeful and congruent and in alignment. But for other people, and I try to really help my clients listen deeply, is like, 
that's not going to make it better. It's like you could have the most incredible job and feel so on purpose, or you could even be making money in certain ways that don't seem related to purpose, but if you make them consciously related to purpose, they are, and then they can be deeply fulfilling. So I just want people to listen up that there's no one way it has to look. It's all about coming back to this piece that you're saying, the congruence, the, the, how is this like reverberating with me or not? The perfect example, my, um, my director of operations, who is like my my right-hand person, um, I, I call her my wife, right? She's my, she's my wife at the, at the office, right? We are, we are, we are, we are married at the office. She doesn't have, um, a calling to own a business. Yeah. But she's so inspired in the role that she's in within, within the business I've created because the role that she's in allows her to do the things that are most meaningful for her and to feel like she's on purpose, that is no better or worse than me who owns the business. We're both just, we're just in different roles, expressing and exploring who we are in different roles. Neither one of them is, is better or worse. I love that. And that's so critical is like taking the hierarchies down really. And it's just the most success or joy or vibrancy any one of us is going to have is when we, when we are in right relationship with ourselves and the conditions and activities of our lives. Uh Absolutely. Mm, Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how, I know we're coming toward the end of our time here, Lisa, but how do you, just in a really practical way, given that you are such an on-mission purposeful woman, you're a business owner, you run a team, you're a mother, how do you manage your time and your energy in a really day-to-day way, given all the things you've got on your plate? So I think that some people look at me and then do the, oh, wow, uh, overnight success. And so reminder, no, this has been an ongoing evolution for me. So when I first started my company, I did it all. So when I first started this, I was running my company and getting my daughter off to preschool and clean, you know, and, and all of it. But at the stage of where I was in the development, I, I could manage that. And then it got a little bigger. And then I went, I can't manage this. I need to start delegating. Who are other individuals that would feel inspired to do some of these things? Okay. So let me, you know, bring someone to help me with, you know, some of the admin pieces. Okay. And then, all right, now we grow a little bit more. All right. Well, now I need more help and I need more help. I need more help. I need more help. So it's really been this journey of me looking at my time, looking at what feels most inspiring to me, doing my best to have my energy be on the things that are most inspiring to me. And then as I've needed to grow, who are other individuals that would feel inspired to do the things that, that don't feel inspiring to me or don't feel congruent to me and, and leveraging that and then, and then doing it again and doing it again and doing it again and doing it again. Um, so in terms of like, how do I manage my time? I have a team. Mm-hmm. So it's more like, how does my team help me manage my time? <laughs> yes. You know, I have, I do, I, you know, I have, I have a team that, that, um, that supports, that helps. And, and same thing we've been talking about this entire conversation. I am constantly on a look in my life of 
where am I feeling bogged down? Where am I feeling uninspired? Where am I feeling like there are things that are that like, why am I doing that? And it's an, it's just an ongoing evolution. I think that's what I want listeners to really hear. I think sometimes we get caught in this idea that someday it's, it's just going to all be easy or someday we're just going to like arrive somewhere. I'm not sure we're supposed to be arriving too, but we're going to arrive somewhere someday. And, um, and that's not what it's about. It's, it's about an ongoing process of growth, which means an ongoing process of pruning and an ongoing questioning of, well, who am I now? Well, who am I now? Because who I am now is not who I was 10 years ago. And who I'm going to be 10 years from now is not who I am right now. So what needs to shift? What needs to change? Can I listen to the feedback systems? Can I come back to myself? Can I honor myself? Can I face the fears along the way? And it just, it doesn't stop. And if we can like settle into that and go, oh, that's life. Oh, that, that's life. Those are those, those are the, you know, the, the contractions of life. Those are the contract. We don't, we don't grow. We don't get birth to the next stage without the contractions. And so, all right, recognizing that and, and, and uh, it's just an ongoing process. And I don't think we spend enough time realizing that and breathing into that and allowing the contractions to be there um, and allowing, allowing the difficulties to be there. So yeah, how do I manage my time? I manage my time um, in the most inspired way that I can. And then I see where I'm not. And then I do what I can on my journey and have to face whatever I need to face to work with that feedback. And, and then on to the next one. Oh my God. I need to just give you like a drop the mic situation right there, Lisa. It's so inspiring. It's so, there's so much permission. There's so much wisdom and intelligence and it, and it feels like respect for the female and the feminine journey and the feminine process and the process of life that it is not linear. It ebbs and flows, it contracts and opens and, and just that you live in a deep recognition and respect for that basic truth, which so many of us resist, like myself, you know, I just did it yesterday, like resisting that or resisting the contractions when they come because they're uncomfortable or they're painful when really there's no way to avoid them. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the practices that I do when I find myself contracting and I find myself not wanting to to let go, holding on, being afraid. I will actually literally get down on the floor. So I'll get down on my on my knees and I will um, sort of like bow down to the floor with my arms extended and my hands open and I will take the posture of surrender. Mm. And I will just breathe into the posture of surrender, recognizing that my fears and my contractions are not allowing life to flow. And so can I just surrender and feel my way, feel my way through it? One of the sayings that I found myself saying within the last year and a half, so my, my mom passed a year and a half ago, which has been a, a big learning for me also around surrendering and, and a deeper understanding of the impact of the 
you know, feminine relationship and connections and all of these things. And I found myself really feeling into this idea of keep your heart open and let life pass through it. And, and that, that for me has also brought a sense of purpose. Can part of my purpose be, what does it take to keep my heart open? Just can I keep my heart open as life passes through it, as the contractions hit, as the challenges hit, as the chaos hits, as the incongruence hits, as the who am I questions hit, as the questioning, I mean, all of that. But is there a place in me that can keep my heart open in it, recognizing that, that that's ultimately what's going to help me um, flow through? So maybe that's meaningful to the listeners in some way. Maybe it's a mantra in some way that, that, can, that can be useful. Um, it all serves. The question is, can we recognize the gifts that it's trying to bring to us? Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that, Lisa. I didn't know that about your mom. And I can just imagine what a significant journey that's been for you in the last year and a half. Yeah, thank you. Um, very heart opening and probably one of the greatest gifts she gave me was to deepen my sense of who I am and my sense of purpose, which came about um, through her passing. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And, and that you have been available and awake and aware and present enough to receive it in that way is profound. Yes. So Lisa, I can't thank you enough for being here. And I just have one more question to to close our interview. But before I do that, I just want to say thank you for doing all of the work, both inside yourself and outside in the world that it has taken for you to be who you are today. Uh, I want to thank you. Yeah, it's just, you've made such an enormous impact on my life individually. And just getting to receive you talking, I know the listeners can feel it. It's like, there's such a clarity and availability in the way that you channel wisdom and life experience and realness. And so I know you know this, but I just want to say it directly. Like it's, it's all such a gift because you've been willing to do the work and I feel incredibly blessed to know you. Thank you, Emma. It's a, it's a mutual feeling. And it's just super honored to have this conversation with you and to support you on your purpose. Because I know this podcast is part of your purpose and, and being able to support women in the way that you do. So thank you for letting me be on that journey with you. Thank you. Okay, so my final question, Lisa, is if I handed you a microphone Mm -hmm. and I told you that every woman in the world would be able to hear and also really receive and take in your message, Mm -hmm. what would you want them to know? What would I want them to know? That there is a untapped wisdom that lies in the core of your being. And I say untapped because it is infinite. And to have the courage to take a breath, 
to have the look to reflect and connect with whatever in you can give you access to this wisdom because what you'll find is that you are deeply, deeply okay. Thank you so much, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.